Hi, it's Maria here and welcome to the third episode of Talking with Painters, where Australian painters talk about their lives and art. Well, it's Archibald season everyone and the winners for the Archibald, Wynn and Sulman prizes were announced last Friday. There's an exceptional selection of paintings of some of our top Australian artists now hanging in the Art Gallery of New South Wales. So if you can get down there to have a look, I can assure you, you won't be disappointed. The winner for this year's Archibald is Louise Hearman with her portrait of entertainer and Australian icon Barry Humphreys. I was delighted to catch up with Louise earlier this week to talk about her win. Louise is a Melbourne artist and apart from the Archibald, she's won the Doug Moran National Portrait Prize among other prizes. She's exhibited many times in solo exhibitions across Australia and there's going to be a major survey of her work in the Museum of Contemporary Art in Sydney in September this year. We talk about how she came about painting Barry Humphreys, about the twist in her portrait what she initially was going to enter into the 2014 Doug Moran Prize, why her paintings are mostly untitled, and what it is she calls bungle bungles and when it is time to retire them. I started by asking Louise where she grew up and what she remembers of her early artistic influences. In Croydon, in oh, Melbourne. Just oh, okay. in the outer suburbs of Melbourne, we had dirt roads and we had cats, dogs... Um, but, uh, well, we did have a few budgies. We feel guilty about that. I don't think you should keep birds in a cage. Uh, chooks. And I did have a mouse for a little while, and then um, I um, I decided to set it free, and it bit me in the hand while I was taking it to like get free, and then I ended up having to shake it off the end of my hand. And so, when and did lots you... of space, right? And freedom. Yeah. And did you draw as a child? I used to draw my chooks and. You know, every every kid does little, you know, you've got your two and a half years old drawings and actually I've got one from when I was two and a half or three and a half or whatever, I think it's three and a half, and I can see the seed of me in that drawing. Oh, you're kidding, in what yeah. way? Oh, there was just, like, there was a big fish and then there was a little fish with little bubbles coming up to the big fish and the big fish had big teeth and there was something, I don't know, I could just see the seed of my personality or and my interest in visuals in that early drawing but yeah. then as I got as I progressed from a quite a young age I was able to draw realistically like I would get a drawing of a drawing and make a copy mm. say a drawing of a line or something I could make an exact copy of that line drawing yeah, yeah. and but I didn't know why I just go wow you I love do doing it. it. I don't know why but I've got the ability whereas I still can't add five and seven and nor can mum. You should yeah. see us try to split the bill in a restaurant. We are an embarrassment. Yeah, right. And she said it was because her teacher used to pull her plaits when she was at the blackboard when she got sums wrong. And I said, Mum, I'm complete flunk. Nobody pulled my plaits. I think it's genetic. So you went to Victorian College of the Arts. Yes. Yeah. You obviously were, inter- you were interested in art before that in school. Yes. We had a good art program, but I'm very... Um, I like to do my own thing. My dad was a commercial artist, so he's a really good draftsman, and I used to watch him draw, but we didn't have a very close relationship. So he used to just say, you got, you're better than me, you've got a better sense of design, And but he was doing his own stuff. He was an alcoholic, he used to go off and you know do his own thing. He wasn't a hands-on dad at all. Mm. So, um, but that was fine because mum's fantastic. So, you know, 
because you um, felt secure. Exactly. Yeah. If you've got one parent who looks after you and loves you and pays all the attention, yeah. then you're fine. It's right? enough, as long as yeah. you've got one, I think if you don't have any, you really struggle. But um, also, my uncle, I sort of when I got to about 14, 15, I started to make paintings. Like my first painting was a, an acrylic painting, and I learned everything. I, I kind of taught myself because I learned, besides getting the paints and everything, I don't remember how that happened, but. Once I had the canvas and then I made this painting um, and I went, that's horrible. And I just smashed it all out and then that became the ground for the, the painting on top. So yeah. it just kind of self-taught really in that way. Yeah, right. And then I thought when I was about 16, my uncle had this fabulous hyperreal painting that some, you know, a friend of a friend had done and I used to... You know, I looked at it and I thought, I wonder if I could do one like that. Mm. So I locked myself in my room for two weeks. What was weeks. it? It was just a couple of bulb barrels on a wall, you know, next to a wall. And I don't even know who did it. So sorry, whoever it is, my <laughs> uncle will be, John Box will be able to tell you. But um, I, it, I was impressed by it and I thought, yeah. I wonder if I can do that. So it was more an exercise of look, seeing if you could do it. And I locked myself in my room for two weeks and Jeez. didn't let anyone in. And then I finally, you know, brought it out because I don't want anyone's opinions about what I'm doing while I'm doing it because then that affects... It's like someone telling you when you go to a film, mm. oh, watch, like, I love the bit where blah, 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 and the whole film you're looking out for this bit and it just, no, I don't like it. When everyone, someone tells about a film or something, I go blah, 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 blah and block my ears. <laughs> so you, you still like that now? So you don't. So with your process now, you don't want any input? Until it's finished. It. Yep. Yeah, and the Bill's really good too with it because I, I go, don't look, don't look. If you come in the studio, we're the same with each other. Like when you're working on stuff, you don't want any opinions until you consider it done. Okay, can you tell me a bit about how um, the portrait came about with Barry? I mean, was he keen to have his portrait painted? Was it your he idea? Was. It was my idea. I just got to know him and I had this idea and I thought, and I had a sort of, after I'd seen his final performance, he was standing in front of the curtains as Barry in Melbourne, his hometown. I felt this real sense of kind of sadness because it's the end of an era that he'd finished. That's his last performance. But apparently he's done a whole lot of, you know, after the, after the, after the, <laughs> he's never going to stop. But um, I thought I must paint Barry for the Archibald. Because yeah. I'd never thought of the Archibald before because I'd never thought... I'd seen people that are definitely worthy subjects, but I hadn't worked out a way I could paint their heads. Mm. Like, for example, Richard Tognetti, who was... Richard and his wife, Sartu, wife, girlfriend, Sartu, um, they introduced uh, Bill and I to Barry. So right. that was... Um, but they're both worthy subjects. Yeah. But I couldn't get my head around Richard and... I'd been thinking about Sartu, but I might get that might be in the future. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Was the white jacket in the painting something you requested? No, and it's so brilliant because I kept on asking Barry to come back because, and he's so beautifully dressed. He's like a liarbird, isn't he? Yeah. And I feel like Madge always next to him. I don't care. (laughs) I couldn't be bothered dressing. No, I just don't. And he hates black, but oh, black, black, so boring. But I'm always being black, but. The day he turned up with that jacket, that outfit on, I just went, this is perfect because it's not throwing any colours. 
particular colours up onto his face. I just love it. It's neutral and it was just perfect. Having that dark background with his face emerging in the light, what influences you to to sort of create that sort of effect? Well, my original idea was much more complex, so it was a vision I had and it would have been quite a busy background. But as I went along... I went, no, I don't need that. That's, I want to focus on Barry. I don't want to focus on the storytelling, the hieroglyphics of, oh, this is Barry, he's this, he's that, he's whatever. And also my uh, the way I think is singular focus, although people say I'm all over the shop, which I am. I chop and change just like they can't follow what I'm talking about and then I lose track of what I'm talking about. But in painting I always seemed, in making images, I tend to have a singular focus in a picture otherwise I can't I don't know what I'm doing Mm. so for example when I was painting the MCG crowds for this for the Basil Sellers prize which I didn't win Mm. um, uh, I could only paint the crowd if it wasn't individual objects if I could only paint it if they became a a mass Mm. of one thing Mm. I just can't do more than one thing Are you willing to give away your secret as to what white you use? Oh, titanium white? Oh, so it's titanium white. Yeah. Okay. Well, flake white will send you to an early grave. Right. It's made (laughs) of lead. Oh, I see. And the tube is as heavy as lead. Yeah. Titanium white's a nice white. And obviously various different manufacturers make good whites. Mm. Winsor Newton's really good. Mm. Art Spectrum's really good. Oh, Mm. I prefer... Like, I use different paints from different people across the board when they have the best pigment in their in that range so for example i use windsor newton i think it's ivory black because it's my favorite black it gives me the the black i like the best mm. so you just try different brands out and that's yes. how you you just yep. try when i yeah. when i get my favorite i go right that's it i'm getting and you stick with it all different ones but a lot of art spectrum products mm. because you know they've been a good stable and now they've just opened a shop 100 meters away from my house oh great it's, yeah. Jesus, oh, that's I've gone from the ashes in 2013 to top of the world. How good, good on that? you. You deserve it. Oh, yeah, you do. Yep. How does it feel when you first show your sitter the, the finished portrait? I was surprised that I was less nervous than I probably should have been. With Barry or generally? You mean with, ba- with Barry's portrait? Oh, I didn't worry portrait? about Bill. When I've had a Bill, I said, yeah. do you... Oh, actually, I'll just clarify what that you, is. That, right. So what we're talking about is your Doug Moran Prize win in 2014 of your partner, Bill Henson. So, so when, I was, when I showed Bill his picture, I didn't really worry because I know Bill so well. I know him from every angle and I had, I had a feeling I'd totally got him, right? Yeah. And um, I said to Bill, and I can't remember what he said actually, but I just say, do you feel like that? that's you? And he said, yeah. I, pretty sure he said yes because I asked everyone else does that look like Bill and I even rang it past the bank managers they came to our house for, for a meeting one day and I said I said okay I've got a bunch of them downstairs pick your favorite yeah and they'd go no that one looks a bit sour grapes and that one and they went definitely these two so with Bill's two uh two went into the Doug Moran they did how many were there I sent them up three but I did about seven Oh, you did seven. But I actually started Bill's portrait with the back of his head and I thought, I know the back of his head. Then, I, you know, I started to get sensible about it and go, wait a minute, this is a portrait prize, right? 
I know what Bill looks like from the back, but other people might not. <laughs> so, so you were actually initially thinking you'd put in a portrait from the, the back, back of and his just head. that. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um, so I initially asked you, what, how does it feel when you show the sitter? Oh, and you were going to yeah. ask me what it was like showing it to Barry. Yeah. So I was not nearly as nervous as I was before waiting to find out whether I won the prize, which is strange because I should have been. Because it's a frightening thing having look, looking at your own portrait, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is. But yeah. I guess I wasn't nervous because my whole thing was, if you don't like it, Barry, it's not going in. Yeah. And I rang him back that night and I said, are you sure you like it? Because if, if, it, if you don't like it, it's not going in. And may I call it Barry and... Uh, may I put your profession as dadaist? And he said, absolutely perfect. I can see why he was happy with it because it's can a great. That's a great portrait. It's Thank fantastic. you. And actually, and I know when I first I saw it for the first time in real life today, and I just loved that sequence. Oh, oh my god! There's, for the listener, it's um in the sort of on the left eye, just above the left eye, where there's a um, highlight. There is a uh, Louise has put a sequin there which just catches the light. It's incredible. Oh boy, and that was my twist. You see, I think that was the way I brought you know all those costume changes. A little bit of sequin came off, but it is yeah. he sparkles. He does, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. Um, and I love things that sparkle. So is that so? That's a big thing in your work. Something that sort of catches the light. You'd think I'd wear sequin dresses. Wouldn't you? <laughs> Do you think I should get into sequin dresses? Well, you know what? I don't. It's funny about artists is that. Their work doesn't necessarily reflect how they are or how they present themselves. Exactly. Both Bill often. and I have to go to each other, does this look all right? We've got no idea. <laughs> and people say to me, oh, did you notice what they were wearing? I say, actually, no. I, I, I don't notice what people are wearing when I talk to them. I just look at their face. Unless they're Barry because he looks, he's a bird of paradise and they look always look divine. Most of your works are untitled. I, I can't they? even name my dog, let alone a painting. <laughs> He's had about 50 names. I don't know how people name children. How do you name children? Mm, yeah, true. And with the Barry one, I've I got this girlfriend, Lee, who lives next door, and she's hilarious. Anyway, I said to her, and she follows the whole thing. She's really sweet. And she'd seen me suffer with this picture for so long, and I said to her, we're having a drink out the back, and I said, I think I'll call it Barry. <laughs> right? But then late one night after I put, the, you know, the special twist in it, I thought, oh, my God, I should have called it Twinkle Twinkle Superstar. Because if you think of the next line, how I wonder what you are, which is so Barry, isn't it? Because yeah. who or what is Barry? I would never presume to know, right? I ran it past a few people and they went, nah, too long. I suppose the other thing is people might not get that. Um, no, especially if they saying. haven't seen the twinkle because he's like a star in the sky. Mm, really. it mm. would, it's kind of perfect. I could have put it in underneath in brackets and maybe it's like dogs or people. You get given a name but then you end up like with another one, a nickname. Like I, never got, mm. I only get called Louise when I'm in trouble or yeah. happy times like this in Sydney when I'm Louise here and the artist. But yeah. I get called Louie in Canada. I get called Loopy. Yeah. Um, Lou, yeah. Lulu. I, I got a, so with the Barry painting, I'd rather other people came up with the title. Um, now, can I just go on to your process and studio? 
in one of my art books um, on studios, on artist studios, there's a photo of your studio, and which is you know gives you studio envy because it's so huge. Really? Yeah, it's a converted warehouse, isn't it? It is. It was a truck spare parts place. Oh. Um, now, what I noticed in that photo was your palette with yeah. mounds of paint. Yeah. Is that how you work? Yeah. It's like with big mounds of yeah. paint and you leave it overnight, I presume. Yeah, and then you just keep going. But in those palettes, they go for years. We're going to have one of them in the NCA show. But uh, I call them my bungle bungles, retired palettes. But they are like 10, 15. No, it depends on the palette, like maybe four years, five years of painting. Because it's like uh, driving a car, right? When you're painting, you don't have to go, where did I put that magenta? You know, well, I don't use much magenta, but it's a dangerous colour. Mm, it's right? pretty intense. Michael Johnson, the painter, goes, you know, he's in his, oh, who's afraid of magenta? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> he's so good talking to painters. You go, oh, no, you know, just a little dab goes everywhere. Yeah. You've got to be careful. Yeah. But um, I just... I know where it all is, so I can just keep painting without worrying about it. I can just go automatically to the same thing, just like you would. You know, there's first, second, and third, fourth, fifth, mm, but it's mm. even more complex. Like a keyboard, I guess, like a piano keyboard. Mm. A pianist knows where all the keys are. Yeah, so how many colours do you usually have on your palette? We're talking about maybe 15, 20 different. Oh, okay. Yeah. And when the bungle bungles get too high, I have to retire the palette. Oh, so they keep growing because it's drying at the bottom. That's it. So then yeah. you just put on top a fresh... And the ones yeah. that drive faster get the tallest bungle. Mm. Yeah. But when they get too pointy, you've got to retire the palette. But so the decision they... to retire the palette, when to retire the palette, is like the decision when do you get out of the hot bath. Why? It's hard to make, isn't it? Well, because you're so intimately connected with it. Yeah. I just never know. I don't have baths because I don't know when to get out of them. Problem. You don't? Why? I, I usually get out of them when that water so goes cold. It. Yeah, well, all right. Yeah. But you can always turn on the hot tap, right? <laughs> what do you do? Well, yeah. Freaks me out. You told John McDonald um, in that book, actually, that the painting process almost happens without me. It does. What do you mean by it, that? Well, I don't use my conscious brain when I'm painting. And so that goes back to the storytelling thing. Like I don't go, oh, I'm going to put this here, which will represent that and blah, blah, blah. I just paint with, I just try to make things look good to me. And I cannot even put that into words, what that is. Mm. You just got to go, go, go till it looks good to you. Mm. And because that's painting, I say often, like painting is my first language. I find a lot of the time really hard to find the right words for what I'm trying to describe. Can you usually get into that state pretty easily when you're working on, say, Barry's portrait? Some days it happens and some days it doesn't. And on the days when it's not happening, you try, 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 maybe bash away at it a few hours and you go, you know what, I'm much better off trying to pay some bills, um vacuum prepare buy paint that I need to get do other stuff because the planets are not in paint today which is really that's tricky if you've got a deadline that's why I try to avoid them like the plague because um, I was just asked to do a couple of commissions recently and I had to I had to turn them down because I said look firstly 
a deadline doesn't work for me mm-hmm. because, like, if you're painting for the Archie and you didn't get the picture, you don't enter. Easy. Yeah. No one's disappointed. Yeah. But if you someone's paying you money, they've asked, for, they want this picture, and and you, you turn around and say, guess what? I didn't get it. Can't get it. Don't want to get it. Didn't work. Then you so I can't ever commit to that kind of thing. Yeah. Because a it might not work, and b I don't want a deadline. Well, I think a portrait is the a commissioned portrait is the ultimate in pressure for an artist. Because you know it's very hard to please somebody. Yeah. As to what you know. I don't want. Like. I don't really don't want to. Yeah, do. it's a lot of pressure. I think. Yeah. It's weird because I paint pretty fast, which is strange, isn't it? Oh, that's interesting. When you say you paint fast, it's more or less a la prima. So you don't, or do you? Do you do no. an underpainting? Not really. I just start and keep going. And some paintings, if they're really working, I do it all in a day. Right. Yeah. If right. they're really working. Right. And then. Some paintings like Barry, I just painted over and over and over and over and I said mm. to Bill, this is killing me, you know. Mm. But uh, I guess it was a good exercise too in some ways. I don't know. Now also another thing I noticed is that you do a lot of work on masonite. Yes. Why do you like that as a surface? I love It's smooth, really smooth. And one, one years ago someone said to me, oh, well, you are painting on masonite. That's not very archival. And I went, What? I've just done, you know, and I got frightened and I looked it up because I was under the impression that it was and there's this book called Ralph Mayer's Artist Bible and I looked it up in there. There's this guy, he's super technical. He's going, if you're painting this mural, you've got to, and if you want to do it in tempura, you've got to wait three years for that to dry. And was, he's Mr. Technical. Yeah, right. It is the Bible. Yeah. And I looked it up and he said it's an archival material because it's just wood pulp. And the natural lignans in the wood, they squish it together at high heat. So there's no glue, mm. no dye, no nothing in it. Oh. And it's just the natural wood holding itself together. And in fact, it's better than uh, wood panel because it doesn't split or do anything like that. Mm. But like anything, if you put a canvas out in the rain, it's going to get wet. So um, that's the problem. But So I love masonite because it's smooth. It, you can um, prime it. The way I want, the way I prime it with rabbit skin glue, three coats, it has a nice tooth to it. Mm. And so each individual, like if you're going brush strokes, they come out as the brush, like the hairs on the brush, whereas if you're using the weave on a canvas, it breaks up into squares. And I can cut it to size on the day that I'm painting. That's interesting there. Where a canvas, you've got to get them all made up, and if the size is not working for you, yeah not good yeah right because size does matter well that's interesting because you uh, you mentioned today at the art gallery that um people should come and see the work and don't just see the photos online because and i think size scale is really important because if you see a picture of say you know deng by next to next to um you know, Natasha Bienick's, you know, Wendy yeah. Whiteley. You think, oh, they're, they're the same, they're same. same. Exactly. And one's like a postcard and the other one's, you the know. The surprise huge. for me was Abdul Abdallah's painting. I thought it was probably about the same size as mine and it's huge. I know. It's yeah. like about 180 yeah. centimetres. So that was a yeah. surprise, total yeah. surprise. Yeah, you do have to go to the galleries. Yeah. It's a great exhibition. I think it's fantastic I think it is too. this year. Beautifully hung, beautifully lit. Yeah. The whole thing's perfect. And I particularly like that in India, what's his surname? I can't remember his surname name because my you know I've had to remember too many names lately but it's a tiny little painting and it's just really beautiful and when you look at it 
it's exactly the right size it needs to be. And sometimes those tiny panties get overlooked. But um, Natasha's didn't because it's more like a super duper miniature with so much detail. But India's painting is really small and mm. quiet, mm. but it's a really good painting, you know. Mm. And something like that will often get overlooked. But the Archibald is about choosing, in my opinion, because that was the, and it makes it more fun, choosing an Australian of note. I think that's important. The subject, to yeah. keep to keep it that way yeah because yeah. that's a way of getting people's interests as well yeah i think you're right about that and part of the enjoyment of seeing it is seeing people that you know and seeing how they're portrayed because you think yeah. you know them in some way and you like to yeah. see what what is the artist brought out in that yeah. person you know absolutely yeah well being an artist is pretty solitary so what what sort of things do you do to counter that well bill and i sort of share a space we don't no we don't share our studio space but we kind of live at either end and you know we've got triple soundproofing and everything so we can we're totally separate spaces but then we can have lunch breakfast dinner together Mm. so that's kind of good but also I live in a really fantastic neighborhood where I love a whole bunch of my neighbours and we all get oh. together and we kind of it's kind of casual like some they come into the back garden and they light a fire and then all you just walk out the back and you're having a drink it's like oh, something out, out of a storybook for children now you've got a big show coming up yep. at the MCA which is a major survey of your work and that's starting on the 29th of September including paintings and drawings so You've got your work cut out for you in the next few weeks. Yeah, got to get things ready for the catalogue, right? That's going to be the first catalogue, like the first kind of book that I've ever had. And it's going to be so simple and elegant. I'm just, I couldn't be a happier person right now. Oh, it's just wonderful that, you know, you're getting this recognition because your work is fantastic. Thank you so much. Yeah, and congratulations again um, for the Archibald win and thanks so much for speaking to me Well, it's been a pleasure to meet you, Maria. Thank you for interviewing me. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Louise. By the way, the artist Louise was talking about is India Mark, so look out for her painting in the Archibald. It's also worth going to the SH Irvine Gallery to have a look at the Salon de Refusé for a selection of paintings which probably just narrowly missed out as being selected as finalists in the Archibald. Don't forget you can go to talkingwithpainters.com for links to things and people we talk about in the show. Uh, You can also follow on Uh, Facebook and Twitter and I'm also on Instagram so I hope you join me next time for episode four of the Talking with Painters podcast. You know what someone asked me once in Canada what what is Lou paint you know what do you paint and I was on the chair with someone else and he said she paints things that sparkle And I thought, what a great way of putting it.